This is Blog Life the Journey, presented by Too Much Tuma. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 7 of Blog Life the Journey. My name is Brendan Tuma. I can be found on Twitter at Too Much Tuma or emailed directly at brendan.tuma at gmail.com. As always, I'm joined by my co-host and producer, Sora Hume. If this is anyone's first time listening, the goal of this podcast is simple. We're just a couple of stoolies who love background stories about how our favorite barstool bloggers got to where they are. Tonight's guest, a big one, Clem. He can be found on Twitter at The Clem Report. He blogs for Barstool about literally everything, Game of Thrones, Snacks, his favorite New York teams. He's on a couple of podcasts, The Pod Fathers and The No Quitters Pod. He's known for his 15-second snack reviews. Uh, he's really a jack of all trades, and we're excited to have him. We're excited to talk to him tonight about his path to school and where he sees things going moving forward. Uh, if you like this episode, we can be found both on SoundCloud and iTunes at Blog Life the Journey. And all we ask is please do not hesitate to reach out to us with any feedback, whether good or bad. We're just dying for people's thoughts. Uh, so without further ado, let's get to the man you all came to listen to. Here's Clem. So now we'll bring on Clem, who honestly is just one of the most beloved Barstool personalities. And it's because of things like this, he, he's willing to, you know, come on. He, he'd never heard of this podcast or us before tonight. And he's willing to give us a chance. And he's one of the most just genuinely nice people that works at Barstool. So we just want to thank you in advance for coming on with us tonight. No problem at all. I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I talked to you guys before the podcast launched. So I remember we talked before, yeah. you know, you guys were first getting started. So I, I knew you guys beforehand <laughs> and uh, happy to see you guys got it going. And you got it. Get, like I always say, the hardest part is actually just getting all the little things and getting things started. That's always the hardest part in anything in life. And you guys are doing it, man. That's the dream. It is. I, I just say, you know, whether it's just like starting a blog or starting, we had talked about doing this podcast and step one was like, all right, we got to buy the equipment. So like we put the order on Amazon, you got to wait for that stuff to come in. But, but you're right. Once you get that ball moving, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. Uh, so Sawyer and I had talked about, you know, how we just introduce you or whatever. And like, for example, we had Eric Cubs on who uh, he's most known for his Yankees stuff. Not he, I don't want to pigeonhole him. He can and does do other stuff where we bring on Jerry Thornton, who's most known for the Patriots. But I, we really don't know how to introduce you. You're kind of a jack of all trades at the stool. Uh, if you meet someone that you didn't know before, like, you know, how would you describe your job or what you do to them? That's a good question. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of times, like I'll have friends or family members who maybe don't read Barstool or didn't read it before I started. And they just say like, what is your job? What does it entail? What do you have to do? Like, you know, a lot of times with jobs, you have like a certain amount of things that have to get done or you have goals or whatever. And with me, it's always been, I think in general with Barstool, it's a little different where it's like, I think, you know, if you know, something should be blog worthy, quote unquote, I, you know, mm. I, I, I read Barstool for a while and whenever something happened in the news, whether it be sports, pop culture, whatever, just a, a news story, you'd say up oh, this, I kind of want to hear what someone at Barstool has to say about it, you know? And I always kind of treat everything as if like, if I see a story come across my Twitter, the news, whatever it may be. I'm like, I want to cover this for Barstool and just kind of do my thing. So like you said, it could be, you know, <laughs> any given day. I don't know what I'm going to blog about in the morning when I wake up. Like today, I blogged about Odell Beckham looking at the at the, <laughs> I was talking about Game of Thrones hackers. I talked about, um, you know, just it could be like a junk food review. It could be, uh, you know, a new, it could be a movie thing. It could be literally anything. Uh, that's the one thing that's awesome at Barstool is, uh, Dave and, you know, just in general, kind of the culture of the company always been like, do what you cover what you like, because, you know, you're, you're going to get the most spin. You're going to get the best spin and like uh, best take from someone if it's something they care about. And like, you know, there's probably stuff that I like or or whatever that I know wouldn't really pe people wouldn't care about. I just won't blog it. I'll just keep that to myself. Yeah. Maybe tweet about it or something. But uh, it's just one of those things that, like you said, you don't know where the hell it's going to go any given day. And, you know, like I, I'm not going to touch hockey stuff. I'm not a hockey guy. Never have been, never will be. But like if there's something that's basketball that might be a little nuanced, like the Paul George tampering thing, I was like, that's kind of a big story. And like 
Magic Johnson being put on like trial would be like the funniest thing ever, in my opinion. So it's just one of those things that it's kind of a, a feel. And I, I, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing not to really have like, I guess I have like certain calling cards. Like, I, you know, I'm one of the Star Wars guys like Robbie is one as well. Mm-hmm. Game of Knicks. Thrones, Snacks, Knicks, my team's the Mets, the Giants. Uh, but fidget spinners kind of was my thing for a hot minute. So it's kind of all over the place. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, so we want to talk to you tonight, you know, just a bit about how this came to be, you know, how you uh, not only got started at Barstool, but, you know, what you were doing beforehand. And that that's really where that's where the grind starts. It's not, all right, I got this Barstool job now. I'm going to, you know, take over and take this really seriously. You have to take that incredibly seriously before you even get there and you got to work for three and all that. So um, let's try to take it back as far as we can, you know, just give us your back, even your childhood, you know, where you grew up, how you became a big sports fan. The whole night. Sure. Yeah, sure. So I grew up uh, in Mayapack, New York. It's um, com- contrary to what some people say, it's not in north of the wall. It's not like in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. It's the so you have Westchester, New York, which is like the county above the city and all that stuff. I'm the Putnam County, which is just right above Westchester. That's where I grew up right there. Uh, spent basically my whole life here. Um, it's kind of a weird spot where you could have, you know, there's a lot of Yankee fans here, but. I was, as KFC calls this, I was one of the gypsies. I'm a Mets fan and a Giants fan growing up. Uh, Lucky my, enough to be a Mets fan. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know how Mets, Jets, Islanders, Knicks, or Nets fans do it because it's just, that's just pure misery. Especially if, like, growing up in the 90s, if you were the Nets too, like, you never got any, like, happiness. At least I had the Knicks. But so I was born in the 80s. So I, I grew up with, like, the Knicks of the 90s. The, the Mets, who were a goddamn disaster for a while there. But I also grew up with the Giants, who I was a little young for 86, but I remember the 90s Super Bowl very well with the Bills. Um, so, like, and the thing is, my dad wasn't a sports fan. No one in my family really pushed me either one way or another. I just grew up and loved it. Like, I still remember, it's going to sound like almost corny, but, like, I remember when I was a kid and I had, like, I somehow got this like stats book and it had baseball stats and it's just all this stuff. And I just like grew to like, I just loved looking at like the numbers it made no sense. I don't know. I didn't know what the hell I was looking at half the time, but it was just one of those things I loved. And then with the neighborhood kids and stuff like that growing up, it was always about just bullshitting about teams and whatever. And then again, uh, you know, this is OG kind of shit. 95, I believe was the first year I ever did a fantasy league. And it was before we even had a like, AOL at our house. And I literally get the newspaper every morning and I ran a fantasy basketball That's league. How you did it. Every morning I was pen to paper, dude, just doing it. And like, you know, it was like $20 a team, everyone in the neighborhood mm-hmm. playing Monday morning on the school bus. I bring everyone their printed sheets out of like the standings, the points of that week, yada, yada, yada. It was like such a pain in the ass to do, but it was just something I love doing. And it's just one of those things that like, that's just what I did my, with my free time. And, uh, so like childhood kind of formed me where when I was a kid, like, I remember I was always like, I want to work in sports. I don't care mm-hmm. how, what, where, why, but I just want to end up in sports. Um, which took me to college at C at uh, Seton hall. I went to Seton hall freshman year. Yeah. You did sports management. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, cause I went to UMass Amherst and they have a sports management department as well. And, you know, probably we were probably thinking the same thing. You're 18 years old. You know, you don't know what we want to do with your life. You want to work in sports. You, they have this major called sport management. Oh yeah, sure. I'll try that. And, uh, t- tell us a bit about your experience with that. Yeah, definitely. No, I mean, it's like you said, it's one of those things. It's, it's like the sports management major is probably like the, one of the smartest thing, like admissions people I've ever done. Right. Cause you just <laughs> see that. And I'm like, I don't know what I want to do. I love sports. And it's like the word management can be taken so many different ways and all the different things they offer in the major. It's just like, it's like regular majors, but like fun in, in mm-hmm. everyone's mind, I think. So I went to CN Hall and I still remember there was the year they had, I mean, again, this is day myself, but like they had Andre Barrett, they had Eddie Griffin, Marcus Tonio. They had like a six team like top 10 in the nation Tommy Amaker recruited a sick class I'm a Syracuse guy so I really didn't care about the basketball team but I was like well if I'm gonna go to school at least I'll have a good team to watch and then when Syracuse comes in I'll root for Cuse that kind of stuff um I just I, I actually got into Syracuse but it was just one of those things it was too far north too much snow I hated I hate these winters as is you know mm-hmm. so I, I went to Seton Hall went in for sports management I literally remember the first time I the first class I went into that was for my major like the head of the department was like, if you want to work in sports, like you should just know now, like you're going to hate the athletes you work with. I think he said sports writing, which, mm-hmm. you know, you hear those stories a lot. Like you never meet your heroes. Cause you know, I mean, it's just what it is. It's like any, any walk of life, you're going to meet people that suck. You're going to meet people that are good, all that kind of stuff. So I immediately, I was like, shit, 
maybe this wasn't the right major, but I, I, I just gutted it out. And what happened to me was, you know, I don't know how often this happens, but freshman year, I just wasn't really, I was really not happy there. It was a big, um, you know, Barstool, uh, Barstool's known as like the frat website. We're the frat guys. Like the biggest reason I left Seton Hall was uh, there was a lot of commuters. So like it was a commuter school. And then the people that did stay, a lot of them joined frats. And I, that's just something I never wanted to do. I kind of just wanted to do my own thing. And I, I just never got into the whole, I never understood the rushing, the hazing, all that stuff. Like I, my whole life, like I just make my friends do, I just being myself. So I, I had never understood that side of things. And there could be good frats out there. I don't know. I was like, you know what though? I want to get out of here. And I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to F up again with another school. So I was like, I don't want to keep, I don't want to go through like my first three years of college transferring, transferring. So I had visited a buddy who went to Siena, which is actually the first ever application my mom got. And I was like, yeah, I don't really know if I want to do Siena, but I had visited a buddy at Siena that freshman year and I had a great time. Like, you know what? It's like the floor for this place. I had such a good time. Like the floor is like pretty high. Like I'm at least at, at that point, I was like, I just want to have fun in college. Like I was like, I'll figure out afterwards the sports market, sports management really didn't work out. I just did like a typical business degree and I was like, I'll figure out sports along the way. So I graduated from Siena in 2004 and for like the first year, you're just basically living like a bum outside of college. You know, you just see, have your money, you're seeing your friends, you're partying when you can, that kind of stuff. And then the first job I really got, I got a seasonal job working as a group sales ticket representative for the New York Liberty. So like when I tell you guys, I did like, I started at the bottom of the ladder. Like that is like cold calling people and trying to get them to buy WNBA tickets. It's <laughs> fucking grind man it yeah, is that's how they say it starts is ticket sales with the sport management it's it's legit dude and you know like you do learn some stuff from that and it's kind of like it, it, i guess it builds character like being a mets fan work does ethic. Too. yeah work yeah. ethic and uh just being able to talk to people and stuff like that so i did that and i i, I always tell this story i'll never forget we were at a baseball game my my girlfriend who's now my wife and i were at a baseball game and she said to me, she said, there was a cotton candy guy going around and no one was buying any cotton candy. And she's like, oh, that poor guy. It must really be tough selling something no one wants to buy. And I'm like, are you serious right now? Like you're sitting with a New York State Liberty group sales ticket representative. And it just was one of those things that was funny. But what happened with that was um, I ended up like I think I they told me I sold like the most in a two week period that like a seasonal employee, it was just a seasonal job. It wasn't anything, you know, full time or anything like that, but it was, it was and like, I had sold enough that like I had set some sort of a record, but I was still like in the red between the train ticket and, you know, dry the, the subway and the whole nine. And it was just like this really, I was like, you know, this isn't really going to work. I was still living at home, um, left there. And I just put a billion resumes out. I was applying to everything at this point. A lot of times I think after college, a lot of people, when they first leave, they try to get their jobs beforehand. Mm -hmm. I also didn't intern in college. I just had fun. You know, yeah. I was just hanging out with my buddies, playing Madden, the whole nine, playing video games, partying, whatever the, the whole nine. Um, so I, again, I just sent out a million resumes and the one resume, the one thing I got, I remember it was through Craigslist was, uh, a customer service role at sportingnews.com. And this is back in the day, sporting news. It was like kind of when, if you wanted to play fantasy anywhere, you had to pay money for it. Basically like even Yahoo, they had like the stat tracker. You had to pay to get like your live stats updated and stuff like that. Like it wasn't all free. Like it is now. Um, and they had like things where you could put prizes and even win prizes through the site. Like it was definitely the gray. It was a little wild west gray area where it was kind of sports gambling, but we got away with it. So Basically, I was the guy that people bitched at through email. Like if the mm -hmm. site went down at 1259 on a Sunday, you asshole, I wanted to bench, you know, Carson Palmer for this, for Byron left, which whatever, I don't know. And like, it was, it was a grind, man. Like, you're just getting yelled at. You're, you're, you're dealing with people. If there was a payment issue, I was, you know, sending out prizes and stuff like that. You kind of the jack of all trades there too. Like if it's not ticket sales, it's customer service. You know, that's the mm -hmm. other kind of uh, industry you're getting into with a lot of this stuff. And I, I just worked there and we would have issues where like, our games will go down or we have like salary cap games where, you know, if a player did good and a lot of people bought them, the, the prices would go up. And then if you were that player before it went up, you like got to bank the money. So it was like a game of strategy. And what happened was like our fucking engine would die every time. Like 
like every game would just die. Like it, something would go wrong and we'd have to adjust all this stuff. And the customers were pissed rightfully so. Cause there was money on the line and the whole, the, all, all that mumbo jumbo. So then um, what we started doing was us customer service guys would be like, listen, you guys build it in like a test environment and then we'll test it as well as we could. And it didn't get perfect, but it at least like got something got better. Yeah, exactly. So I was in that job for about a year and a half and then they moved the job to Charlotte. And I said to my wife, I was like, Hey, you know, Charlotte, it's cheap down there. It's warm. Again, I said, I hate those Northeast winters. And she's like, I'm not going to Charlotte. You're not going to Charlotte. And she's, my wife is not like a foot down kind of a woman, but Mm -hmm. she kind of put the foot down on me there. And I was like, all right, you win. So I ended up like turning down the seven. I ended up turning down the job down to Charlotte. They were going to move us down the whole nine. I got a nice little weekend with my buddies who worked at the company. We said we were quote unquote going to check out Charlotte. We just partied all weekend. And I took the severance. I still remember I took the severance. It was 2006. Took the severance, um, spent it on, spent a good chunk of it on a big screen TV, which I have right now in this room. It was like when flat screens had first come out and we're really getting big DHD TVs. And it was because the Mets were actually good for like the first time in forever. And I thought mm-hmm. 2006 was our magical year, like every Mets fan does right now. Uh, did. Uh, so then again, I just went back to kind of the grind room, sending out a billion resumes, don't really care about the, the industry it's in and all that stuff. And as Faye would just have it, Again, the one person that emailed back was ESPN. And they were like, yeah, I I emailed a billion places and the one place gets back and it was for a QA job. And honestly, I didn't know what the hell QA was. Quality assurance is what it stands for. And I had no idea what it was, but it was basically what they do is you test out, um, you test out products, you test out websites. And at that point it was apps on like flip phones and stuff like that. And you test them out, make sure you get all the bugs, log all the bugs, you know, even as a sports fan, you say, hey, this would look better if we put this, this stat here or this layout like this, this design. You kind of give some like tips, if, you know, as, as if you're a diehard sports fan, because a lot of times with those QA jobs, you'll get like someone who might be like really like smart computer wise, but they think ER, a high ERA is better than a low ERA because they don't follow sports. They don't understand mm-hmm. what all the numbers mean and stuff like that. So I applied to that. I got an interview for it. And it's funny because like if I hadn't done that at Sporting News, I picked up that that skill get into ESPN. So then I was at ESPN from 2000. It was basically 2008 is when I started. It was actually, I still remember my first day. There was a day after the giants beat the Cowboys and Terrell Owens was crying about my quarterback. That's my quarterback. Um, I'll never forget. I like floated the entire way to Bristol, which is like (laughs) an hour plus ride without traffic from, from my house up here in the burbs. Um, When I was still living with my, at that point, I think I was with my parents. Um, But anyway, that was just for the interview. Long story short, got the job there, worked in the city, was living in Astoria. Shout out to anyone who's listening that's from Astoria. Love love Astoria, Queens. That was my spot for a while. Um, and from 2008 to 2013, worked there, loved it. The iPhone came out, and I would just grind, man. Like I was doing QA, uh, testing up a bunch of different apps, websites, Score Center when it first came out, which is kind of like their app now has evolved to that. The mobile website was kind of my baby for a good long time. Um, now everything's kind of become the same as devices have gotten better. But uh, the cool thing about ESPN is, I, you know, I worked there. I worked in New York, which was definitely much different than bristol bristol is like popping like you hear people always talk about the cafeteria is nice there's big screen flat screen athletes coming in and out athletes coming in and out the whole nine it's like it's a, they call it the, you know the bristol campus it's like a college campus you know what i mean and it's really cool there's just there's a vibe going there i was in new york there's like there was three offices in new york and our office was like a, an accounting building like they literally called the cubicle hell is what other people would call 605 third avenue so uh it sucked in that regard but you know you're with a lot of people who are like-minded sports fans um just people who you know i think a lot of times people that are sports fans that you know look to work at espn you're gonna be people that are a little different than that but a lot of the people were just they they just like you know we go out and party we're a younger crew a good group of people you know we had the same sense of humor same kind of shows we quote old simpsons lines everyone understood what was going on it was just stuff like that it was cool um and then 2013 you said yeah 2013 is um when I got the uh, we, we got a notice saying, hey, listen, we're moving everyone to Bristol. Um, you know, you guys either can come or you can take your severance and go. And I was this one to my wife. I was like, we had just put down 
a deposit on the house. We bought a house up in Mayapak. We moved back home from Astoria in 2012. Um, and at that point, I was working from home a lot at ESPN. And they said, no, listen, like everyone's going to have to move out to Bristol. No working from home. Um, yada, yada, yada. And my wife was like, we just moved in this house and we were pretty happy where we were. We wanted to start a family here. That was kind of always my goal as a kid uh, was to come back home and raise a family here. And it was like, damn, like, <laughs> like, what do we do here? Like go out to Bristol. And she kind of put her foot down again. and was like, no, we're not going to do that. So it, I remember vividly again, it was 2013. It was, I think it was November is when I actually got like, it was my last day at ESPN. I had the severance and you try to live up that for a while. And then in the meantime, I was just kind of like working little jobs here and there. My dad owns a pool store locally. I just worked there like office clerk, you know, lifting boxes, punching people, you know, uh, cashing people out, all that kind of stuff. Um, and at and, this point you're, so you're working for ESPN, you're working other type of jobs. You're not like doing anything like you're doing now, like creating content, uh, or like writing a blog or anything. So are you, are you thinking about that at all? Is that still something in the back of your mind? You're doing on the side Are you, you thinking, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to get this ESPN job. You were probably trying to move up the ladder at some point at ESPN and, uh, you know, th thinking about raising your family and everything like that. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like at ESPN, the thing is I knew I wanted to get out of the QA department, ESPN. It just, mm -hmm. it's monotonous work. You're always like when shit breaks, it's always, it's on you guys first and foremost. Why didn't you catch this? And um, it was just one of those things. We were always asking for more heads, never got them. I mean, anyone in corporate America and Q monkey life knows how that kind of stuff goes. I try to get out of different departments. You get, you know, I'd occasionally get an interview because of like someone would speak up for me and say, hey, this guy's a good guy. But you know, again, nothing, you know, I got anything and it is what it is. I mean, I applied to, I, I'll tell you, if I go back, I'd love to be able to look at my drafts. Like I, or my, uh, archived email. I probably have like 250 plus applications of different jobs at ESPN throughout like the Disney, Disney altogether, probably like 500, like Marvel and, you know, Disney, the actual like Walt Disney, that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, you know, at that point I never really even thought about writing. I did like a couple little blogs on sporting news and I had fun with it, but then you're working. So you're like, I really don't have time for this. And it was actually when I really, really started getting into Barstool. Like I, I read Barstool. I liked it, but, um, I think it was around, I know the Boston Marathon was one thing, like just the way everyone really rallied to the Boston Marathon, um, like just how the rundown grew. And then obviously when Big Cat came on, I was always a KFC guy because I obviously that's, he, he was like my kind of voice through the Mets and the Knicks and whatever. Uh, you know, El Prez was El Prez. Big Cat came on and was like this like crazy new guy that just came out of nowhere. I'm like, man, this 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 barstool is really jumping off. And I still remember I always tell K Marco, like the way he covered the Manti Teo situation was so much different than the way anyone else did. And I was always mm -hmm. like, you know, like this barstool place is a really like fun, fun, like because it was such a weird story, but like the way Barstool covered was just so much different than anyone else. So I was like really loving it then. And I never, I never really thought, I never really like, until I started reading Barstool, I never really thought of, I could do it. You know, you always think you have to have a journalism degree and this and that, and you have to be part of that whole network. That's what's and cool about it. Exactly. So then I remember Dave would always like once a year, once every six months, Dave would post like, if you want to write for Barstool, this is how you do it. You create a sample blog, you get samples in there, and then you email it to us. And if we think it's good, we'll hit you back. If we don't, we're not going to hit you back. So I said, all right. So I think it was like probably about February of 2014 at this point. Um, we're in the house, and it's just – it's freezing cold. It's miserable. Um, hold on. I think Odell – I thought Odell Beckham just got his – kneecap torn off sorry <laughs> no worries no, uh, that's, that's that's your guy you gotta watch yeah. out for him he's he's ooh, just blind it's all right yeah, it's all right <laughs> <laughs> um but so yeah so it was 2014 i still like at this point like we're not making like i i have a house mortgage my wife's working i'm just trying to get something like together get it going and i always compare i don't know if you guys saw private parts howard stern movie no no so there's this part where he's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Like, I'm just going to just, he just kind of snaps and he's just yep. like, I'm going to start telling it like it is. And that's kind of like in, in the movie, that's kind of when he goes from just a regular DJ to a dude who's just like, who just lets it fly off the cuff and just like screams. And, and it is the Howard Stern we know and love today. So, um, I kind I kind of was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to just write as I want to write. I'm going to start a blog today. I had Dave's email, like, um, bookmarked for like a month and i was like you know what like i read the email read exactly what to do and again like i said to you guys the hardest part is just getting it all set up so i set up my blog that day the i went through like a hundred names couldn't get anything good 
Theclumreport.com is what I settled on. Um, and then just like anytime a story would come up, I just would start like just blogging it. Just, you know, again, I try to do it through the voice of Barstool where it was kind of like raw and uncensored, but I, I, I wasn't making anything up. It was exactly how I felt. And since it was the Clem Report, it didn't have my name attached to it or anything. I felt like I could like be very honest and stuff like mm-hmm. that and just kind of like keep it real. And again, I built, you know, I, I then started tweeting more, started to get a little different, try some things out. You know, you just try, you just see what works. And um, that's kind of what I did. I just did that. And kept it going for, so that was 2014. It was February, 2014. And then, um, I also taught myself Adobe. I can't remember it now. Uh, not Photoshop, Adobe flash. I told myself Adobe flash. Cause one day I just had this like kind of thing that just hit me in the head. Like, Hey, you know what? I'm going to try out, uh, I'm going to try to make a soundboard, you know, those mm-hmm. soundboards like Gus Johnson gets buckets and stuff like that. Yep. So I, did a Mike Francesa one and I did a barstool one and I went through so much goddamn podcasts and videos and YouTubes and MP3s just to get little snippets of stuff. But again, when you're unemployed and you're just like trying to, and my wife to her credit was like very supportive. I told her my, my dream was to get to barstool cause it was just my kind of a scene and whatever. So I just did that. And kept grinding away and um, showed it to Kevin KFC. I met him at uh, I met him at a New York, one of those New York watch parties, and he he thought the the Mike Francesa thing was good, and uh, kept grinding. And then I started, I, you know, what I would do is I would tweet, I would write, I would do the whole thing, and uh, after after a while, like you know, you start maybe getting someone to follow you here and there. You know, they laugh at your jokes. That's that's kind of what someone said this recently. I don't remember who it was. They said, like, what's the secret to getting noticed? And it's just if you have someone that like you uh, or even a company you want to work for or, or write with or something like just just work, just just like just you don't have to like send them your blogs and hey, do this, say do that. If you just interact with people on Twitter, it's such a quick little conversation. If someone thinks you're entertaining, you're funny or whatever, they're going to be like, hey, this guy's pretty good. It's going to kind of like put your put the spotlight on them. You know what I mean? So uh, I kind of did that with some of the barstool guys and out of the, it was kind of out of the blue. You know, I've been writing for, from that point, February ish or November ish till about that summer. I got a, tw- a tweet from Brendan Clancy who was, you know, working on KFC radio at the time. And he was like, um, what did he say? He's like, Hey, you know, we're looking, we have the podcast on KFC radio.com. We'd love to have you come aboard and kind of just blog some stuff. And this way people come for the podcast. They can then stay for the blogs or vice versa. So myself and this other guy, Brendan, St. Brendan, um, we both just started writing, just kind of doing what we were doing on our blogs, but on their blog. And anytime mm-hmm. something hit, we do an NFL preview. We do whatever, you know, what, again, what, anything under the sun counted. And it, it was just one of those things, even though like it was on Barstool, I was like, I'm just going to write this from my own perspective. And after like three months or so, I think Kevin was like, Hey man, I saw you've been doing on KFC radio. Like I'd love to have you on as the Knicks blogger. Basically you'd be writing about the Knicks. He's like, I'll still be writing about the Knicks here and there, but I'd like to have you just kind of cover the Knicks, like get your feet wet. If anything big happens on a Saturday, you can blog it. Cause Saturday is kind of a dead day and Sunday's the NFL. Cause at that point the season was starting for the NFL. And, uh, yeah, I just did that for about a year. And, uh, you know, not getting paid, but just doing it on the side. I ended up in that time around the time I got hired for Barstool. I started working for, I was working for my dad in the meantime at his pool store. And then right as I got hired for Barstool, just part-time for, for, you know, just for fun, basically I got hired at USA today for a sports app they had done. And I was doing stuff where I was, um, working the app where it was basically if a story came in for USA Today Sports, I'd take it, put a headline on it, a picture, a little blurb, just describing, you know, a new story that had happened, um, you know, just stuff like that. And uh, for about a year, I did both. As long as I wasn't on the clock for USA Today, I could write for Barstool. They were cool with us. They, you know, some of them were stoolies. And then November of 2015, uh, KFC was like, Hey, Dave wants to meet with you. And he wants to have you maybe come on full time. Or he said, be more involved. I didn't know what that meant. I thought maybe it was like twice a week. I'd have something to do. And they give me a certain amount of, uh, you know, stuff to do. But Dave said, Hey man, uh, Mm -hmm. love to have you come on full time. And the rest is history. Up until that meeting, had you uh, talked to Dave ever you communicating mainly just through, uh, Kevin and Brendan at this point? 
I I had never talked to Dave at all. Uh, I don't. I you know I talked to Dave on Twitter maybe a few times, like tweeted at him, mm-hmm. and he tweet back maybe, but that was about it. I don't think he even started following me till about six months after I started at Barstool. So I never yeah. honestly knew he even read any of my stuff. I still remember to this day, the. Uh, the um the blog that kind of got me noticed or the first time I actually knew he read my stuff was I blogged about Derek Fisher and the Matt Barnes thing and the alleged fight and all that. And he was like, hey, you know, Clem blogged this perfectly yesterday. He linked to my blog, but I wanted to give my two cents. And I was like, oh, wow, Dave actually read, read my, my, my blog. I didn't think he read my stuff. I just knew he read my blog. Mm-hmm. So um, that kind of like just let me know, hey, at least he, he is watching. And I just kind of just went about my my day with that stuff. And, you know, like uh, whatever it was a little while later, I, I got on full time. Yeah, that's pretty surreal. And uh, I just want to dial it back a quick sec to when you said you first started your blog and, you know, you updated it. You know, you, you almost make it sound easy. You said you updated it however long it was. I think you said a year. And um, but but that's like really hard, you know, when no no one's reading you at first. And so can you talk about what that's like to keep that? Uh, to keep that motivation going for it. If you you said every now and then, you know, you get an interaction with the barstool guy, you get some retweets at a joke and that's really all you got. And you had to, have to go on that and trust in yourself. And it sounds like you have a great support system with your wife. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, there's ma- there were many days where it was literally zero views on the website. You could go and see your traffic and there was no one watching. I'm tweeting out stuff on Twitter. You know, again, I'm growing my fan base on Twitter a little bit here and there, my followers and stuff like that. But that was about it. And, you know, I don't blame people for not clicking my stuff. I, I don't click on every single blog I see. It's it's mm-hmm. almost too much, especially now as everything is continues to grow. Um but it's just one of those things where you just have to keep grinding. And this is what I say about with Barstool and almost anything in life is you have to treat it like it's something you want, not something you need. You can't be like, I need this. I need this. I need this. Because then if you don't get it, you get desperate and it just doesn't look good or there's just problems. You know what I mean? You so, talk about trying to get hired by Barstool? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you can't act like you need to get Barstool. You have to treat it like you want it. If it works out, that's awesome. Or just, you know, it's not just Barstool. I think it's anything in life. I mean, maybe people can go another way and say, like, act like I need it. But sometimes it's just like I've had people who are like, I need Barstool. I need this. You know, how do I get in? And I'm like, guys, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you just have to work. And sometimes it's a little off putting. There's people who just constantly will just hit me up and say, I need to get in. I need you to hire me. And I'm like, I got nothing for you, man. And yeah. it's not it, it gets to the point where it's, it's almost like overkill. And I have to, like, mute them because it's just too much. So mm-hmm. um, it's definitely a fine line you have to have with it. But from what I found, like when I got hired by Barstool, again, I, I'm a guy who had a mortgage at that point. I had a kid on the way um, and I wasn't making really any money at my dad's store. We're living on basically one and a half salaries. And it's like, I just kept my head down and said, you know what, if it's not Barstool, maybe it'll be somewhere else. Maybe it'll be a different job altogether. I'm still applying to a million different places, but mm-hmm. it's just one of those things. And you had said that was November, 2015. You for, you got fully hired. Uh, November, 2015. Yes. Right, so at this point they, they hadn't sold to churning yet. No, uh, Dave said that the churn deal was a possibility. He thought it was a good possibility at the time, mm-hmm. but he, you know, I don't think it was anything, you know, there was no like definite, unless he was playing, there was really no reason to be coy with me. I didn't even know about the the potential thing until afterwards. And after that happened, like a little while down the road is when they announced it. So it was def. I was pre churning when I got hired. So, because uh, I think a lot of people think uh, when it first happened, like, all right, they're moving to New York. Clem's a New York guy. This would be great for him. He can go to the office every day. But as we learned at one of the <laughs> first days that they were in business there, that was, that was not the case at all. That commute was ridiculous for you. Ridiculous. Yeah, it was two hours, two and a half hours the first day each way. Um, dropping my coat off at daycare. Two hours, basically door to door, was is how it can go on on you know two hours plus whatever. And mm-hmm. I remember the first day I went in, Dave was like, "Hey, how long was your commute?" And I just like, "Yeah, it's two and a half hours." Like just. And I thought I mentioned it to him when I had met with him the first time. He's like, wait, what? He's like, are you serious? And like, it was like the talk of the of the day for a while was how yeah. ridiculously dumb my commute was. You know, those things kind of take a life of their own at Barstool. Whatever rules the day, that kind of ruled the day that day. Um, so, yeah, it was it was wild. And then 
Uh, Dave wrote a blog saying I should fire Clem for his own good. I said, you, uh, Dave shouldn't fire Clem for his own good. I worked too damn hard to get this goddamn job. And, uh, it was just one of those things. And that I always tell people that night I went home and Dave texted me out of the blue. Like just, I didn't reach out to him or anything. And I, I didn't make a stink about it. I was like, you know, I'll figure it out. It was my first day commuting. I was like, yeah, it's, it was a long day, but sooner or later I'll figure it out. Like people do this for 30 years up here. They grind it, you know? Yeah, he was like, "Hey, man, listen. Like, we love having you come in, but don't feel like you need to come in every single day. Come in whenever you can. We'd love to have you, but like, don't feel like you have to." And you know, for someone who you know knows a lot more of Dave Portnoy the character than the person, because you know I don't see him all that often, I was like, "Whoa! Like, he's not just Prez, and you know, this guy who's just going to grind people and yell at people. He's actually a good dude." And uh, Erica, same thing. Erica that night as well on an independent texter email. I remember was like, "Clem, listen, we love having you, but..." Don't feel like you've come in every day. That's a wild, crazy commute. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a trip. It was, it, it, but it was cool. It was very cool. For so, for someone like yourself, who you said you know you got hired pre churn pre churning and now um, you're still working there, and you know you go into the office now and then, you'll still work from home a bit. What what's the number one thing that's changed for you? Because you know stories talk about it all the time. Whether they'll say it's it's not the same bar store, whether that is a good or bad thing. Uh, you know, I would say for the most part, uh, the net outcome is it's been a great, huge positive yet. Uh, part of my take is blown up now and they're just able to do so much more content wise. But from someone actually working on the inside and who goes to the office, what can you talk about anything that's changed from the, the business? end? You know, from what I've seen, like just blogging because we blog from home. So the one thing that 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 I have noticed is it's a lot more collaborative. Like everyone's together and like everyone will just like chip in ideas. Hey, you know, if I need someone to do this or hey, what do you think of that? Just run some stuff by people, you know, like when I came up with the Benny or the Benny with the good hair shirts, I remember I talked to Big Cat about it. I talked to Dave and KFC about it. Like that mm -hmm. wouldn't have been as easy to do if I'm doing it through email and people are busy and you never know and you can't have just like a full conversation. So just little things like that is, is, uh, uh, is huge. I mean, it's definitely different. Cause I think, you know, like you said, we have a million podcasts. Now we had like two podcasts beforehand and we have video now and we have social where we're doing different stuff and we're doing a lot of different things that we would have never been able to do with it. And I mean, if it's good, better, worse, and you know, the same, I mean, it's up to the, there's, there's up to the people. Some people are going to like it. Some people are going to hate it. But, um, I mean, I think, I think, there was probably more of a there was a, probably a ceiling on bar stool the way it used to be where I feel mm -hmm. like now there's not, you know, like this is probably what all the people that didn't like bar stool, they probably don't want to see like, you know, a guy like churning investing in us and us actually like, you know, the joke of bar stool was like up oh, typical bar stool or the bar stool difference. Like we didn't do things the right way. And we could have had this like, path like dave with DraftKings, where he could add equity yep. and DraftKings and all that stuff like it was always like the running joke but it's like that's not good for a company to keep like shooting itself <laughs> in the foot here and there and um the ceiling's was, espn now yeah the ceiling's the roof man don't you know mj taught us that so uh it's just it was it's just one of those things that uh I think it's just, it's different. And listen, I hate change. I've, I hate change and everything. Whenever you have, you know, anything in life where you're told something's about to be different, you're like, crap, if you're getting a new manager, you're getting a new, whatever it may be in life. Like you're always scared of that stuff. But, um, again, it's like, it's still the same bar. So it's like, you take what you want and you, you do it your way. And, you know, if, if there's certain personalities you like who do different things, like they're still doing stuff. It's not like they're not doing stuff anymore. It's just, they're in different mediums and awesome mediums at that. So, um, and I, you know, I still think like if I want to go on the website and get someone's like when Jeff Fisher got fired, Dave, Dan's all over Jeff Fisher getting fired. Like all the, all the typical things are, are still being covered. Like today at the solar eclipse, like that's kind of a bar stool day where it's just people talking nonsense about, you know, whatever the biggest event in the news is. And maybe, you know, there was a million blogs about it today, but there was also video that we got to do. The rundown was live from New York city with all them people in a park with other crazy people looking at a freaking little bit of light through a piece of paper. Like it's ridiculous stuff like that, that we wouldn't have been able to do. And it's only going to get better. We're, you know, we're not even a year now and we're still getting our sea legs under sea legs under us. So I, I, I do think that, uh, in the end it's going to be for the much better. And I still think there's enough of that quote unquote original bar stool. They still get the flavor of it. Yeah. The charm. Exactly. Like I said, my, the way, the way I always describe it is it's like a, uh, 
It's like a birthday card you write to your mom made out of construction paper. It's not the best or prettiest thing, but it's from the heart and it's mm-hmm. a little rough around the edges, but you know we care when we gave it to you. <laughs> is there is there any like story that like sticks out to you from being in the office where some something either crazy happened or someone walked in you didn't expect where you're like where it kind of hits you like, man, this is not like a normal job. Like this, this is something fun. This is, this is, yeah. uh, this is different. Yeah. I mean, a, f- a few kind of just flood to my mind immediately. So the first was, I think one day we had Johnny bananas from the challenge come up mm-hmm. and then he went down the elevator and then the next guy up the elevator, like a minute later was ice cube. And it was <laughs> like, where, are, and this was pretty early in barstool. It was probably like, I don't know, maybe the first three, six months or so. And it was like, oh, wait, this is like a completely different world. And I miss a lot of the good stuff, which kind of kills me. That's the worst part mm-hmm. of working from home. I go in about once a week, but like there's a lot of times where I'm watching at home with you, with you guys and anyone else. And it's like I find out through stool scenes or press conferences what happened or what the big news is. So it's, uh, it's, it's like there, there's some times where you have to pinch yourself like wow this is actually like and again something that wouldn't have been possible with for the churn and deal and yeah. um you know like it's hard to play ball with people when everyone thinks you guys are the devil but once you know people actually realize it and we have a you know pr firm or whatever i don't know how we book the people we book to be honest with you but like once the good once like the, the news gets out about the side of us that people love and endears us to the stoolies once that part gets out to the public then it's like we can loosen it up and we can do cool things with cool people and different ideas and stuff like that so um that was one and then the i was there for the election i was there for the world series and i was obviously there i did the electric chair with kevin for the wild card game the norris Syndergaard mad bomb mad bum game and just like seeing that all unfold it was like wow this is like the, the Connor gillespie game yeah the Connor. yeah let's just call it what it is the Connor, the, the Connor gillespie game god damn it um like it was like wow this could be the start of something like different and new and fun like i don't know where it's going to end up but it's kind of cool seeing it all happen here and then just seeing like some of the early part of my take stuff was just so wild where they're like getting larry i'm watching them get larry on facebook live and then literally they're walking in the building with larry and it's like this is like different and it's something you know i don't i'm sure other websites have done stuff like that but like the stuff i like would read it's something i had never seen it was just cool to see it all play out not just on the computer but also in person can you talk about like the latvia trip like how did that come to be because for a while it was like a joke it was like oh clem clem should go to latvia and see where Porzingis is from and all that. And then next thing you know, like you're there and you're wearing this Porzingis shirt the whole time. And some of the pictures of just you kind of, you know, more or less looking miserable out on the streets there where you place this. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that was one of those things and that, you know, it's like kind of, I got lucky with that, you know, the, that was around the time where, Porzingis got drafted and I mean that summer was a lot of stories about him being this like 7-3 Latvian dude who everyone thought was like going to be a bum and like your typical Euro guy you couldn't understand and then he was like a cool guy who loved rap had corners Wasn't he as a booed kid. at the draft? He was booed, booed mercilessly yeah. yeah the mixed fans booed him mercilessly at the draft I couldn't even get words for it because I was so shocked they took him I don't think I I, I'm, I have to go back in my tweets but I don't think I even had anything mean to say because I was like I can't believe we did this like yeah. after Frederick Weiss I never thought we'd take like the tall white European guy with like a an early pick uh but yeah so it was one of those things where people were saying from basically like preseason on like you should go to Latvia learn about Porzingis and people would say that all the time and I guess a couple times they said it to Dave and one day Dave uh, I, I replied to the guy and Dave was tagged as well. I was like, yeah, I go. And then Dave emailed me the next day I was like, hey I know you were kidding but I think you should really go to Latvia. And I was like well you I'll go. I was not kidding. No. And this, this is the thing. Like I, I was like kind of excited. I was like, I'll go to Latvia. Like I honestly have no idea what it is. I don't know if it's like a remnant of the cold war and everything's in black and white and scary. Or if it's like everyone in Lederhosen, like, and like, it's like a German, like beer fest. Like I had no idea what Latvia was and I didn't do any research cause I'm an idiot. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And it was, uh, and Dave was like, okay, like that was the entire thing. He's like, I just CC'd Hank, you know, obviously Hank from uh, Barstool. He's like, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna get you a cameraman. And like, and this was like two months out. So I did a bunch of research. I was like, let's go during the all-star break this way. Like, um, as a Knicks guy, I was covering the Knicks too. So I wanted to have a break where it's like, I don't have to cover the Knicks because the whole time zone thing. And we ended up flying out to Latvia, me and Hank. Uh, we told us someone from Latvia that we were, and we, again, we had no idea what we were going to do. Dave asks the day before we go, what are we going to do? I give him like 
I don't know, like six, seven ideas. He's like, no, those are all terrible. And I'm like, uh, okay. <laughs> so then he's like, so what are you guys going to do? He's like, ah, I don't really know about this. Uh, and I'm like, well, we're going. So there's really nothing to do. And then it's like snowing out. He's like, do you have a Porzingis jersey? I was like, no, I don't, I don't have a Porzingis jersey. I just wear the barstool shirts. He's like, you should get a Porzingis jersey. I'm like, Dave, it's snowing like six inches outside my window. I'm not leaving my house to go. Like I have to drive anywhere I go. I'm going to get into a car accident to get a jersey. So it was just one of those crazy barstool things fly to Latvia. They asked us what we flew. I told them it was Aerofloat because it was like the cheapest flight I could find. The reviews were pretty good. It just said it had a bad food and not good movie selection. Turns out the Syrians love shooting it down because it's a Russian airline. Those are the kind of things that I wish I hadn't heard that it kind of scared me again. This point, my daughter is uh, like uh, one years old. So like, I'm starting to think like, if I die on this plane, what is she going to do? She's going to be raised without a, like, I'm thinking like thoughts you should not be thinking. We're going to act like an asshole over in Latvia for like three yeah. days. And again, Barstool difference. Like I didn't count the extra day basically worth of travel because we were traveling against the time zones. So like we had to do everything we we're supposed to do in four days into three days. So, and, but I mean, it was just us. The thing is the thing. I love that video because it was, it was just ridiculous. But like the whole point of the video was almost just like, look at this idiot in Latvia. Like that was the punch. That you went. Yeah. yeah. Like I could just be like, hi, I'm in Latvia. Why the fuck am I in Latvia? Show a picture of a Latvian side and like go home. And like, we literally had, we had like a 18 year old kid as our guide who was like, I read about him on some Nick's blog about how he was like a diehard Latvian fan. And he'd go to the bars at like, five in the morning with other Latvians to watch Porzingis play. Cause that's what they do. And like, I just reached out to him and he like got off from school for the week to basically be our guide. His dad drove us two and a half hours to Porzingis's hometown in the snow. And it was like the weirdest trip. I'm waking up with night terrors, which I occasionally get. I'm scaring the crap out of Hank. It was this whole crazy <laughs> trip, but it was, it was peak barstool. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you, what you said about, you know, having your daughter now, what she's going to do. Does it cross your mind ever? Uh, like what, like being able to explain like your job and what you do to your kid when she grows up and everything. Uh, th- see, that's, that's the like thing that scares me the most is that I have to uh, like, she never does like daddy works for barstool, barstool sports. And then like Clemens or Clem or whatever, maybe. And then it's like, Oh my God. Like, I, I never think about that stuff while I'm writing. I'll think about it. Like when I'm not writing, if I did think about it when I was writing, I probably would not like, again, like the guy, the thing that got me the job, I think at Barstool was cause I honestly write how I think. And yeah. if I started changing that up, it would change everything. And it would like a Jenga it would just all fall apart. So it's like, at least, but the thing that keeps me going is like, well, at least I'm not KFC who has like legit like things that might horrify his kids. So I'm like, it's like always easier when you're not like the, the craziest guy at Barstool. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Dave has some crazy stuff out there. I have a few things that like, I don't know, maybe down the road I'll do, I'll search for a couple keywords and delete the blogs or edit the blogs that have those keywords in it. But, uh, it's just one of those things that, you know, it is what it is. It puts food on her table. You know what I mean? My dad was a pool man, is a pool man for like 37 years now. Guy spent his whole life, you know, digging ditches and running a store selling chemicals. So I can't complain. If that's the trade-off I have to make to like sit in my house and blog all day on a computer, so be it. <laughs> that's worth it. You know, no one should ever come about anything. Like I said, you, your genuineness and your niceness, it rubs off you can tell it like you through twitter you know through the blogs through all your podcasts you do uh podfathers you know i'm a 24 year old guy not even thinking about kids but i'll listen to podfathers just because one it's hilarious and two you know it's always good nice to help prepare um <laughs> as long as we don't scare you away from kids that's what i always say like it's like kind of a form of birth control but <laughs> yeah so you got any questions for clem i've um, got some I, just like rapid fire questions just so we can sure. throw it in there all right uh can Porzingis be the best player on a championship team? Hell yeah. I have to believe that. Even if I don't believe it, I have to believe it. So yes, definitely. Right. Uh, I also think he's going to be like the league. Like everyone says the league is going that way where he should be so good. Or you're the stretch five that can protect the rim. Yep. That's like a, a match men have as long as they get actual, a good franchise. Around. Uh, what top three favorite snacks of all time? Uh, Cape Cod potato chips. Uh, nacho cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's that's number one. Those are my people. Uh, nacho cheese Doritos is like right there too. And I'm gonna try to think of like a dessert of like a sweet of some sort. 
Nice crispy tooth. Yeah, I mean, they're up there. I have one today. I, you know, I'll go with uh, just shout out to my boy KFC. I'll throw the Entenmann's ch- uh, chocolate frosted up there. <laughs> the, donut. the mini donuts? The No, like the big the big chocolate ones with like the yellow inside. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can, uh, can Eli get the Giants back to an NFC championship game? Yes, as long as Odell Beckham is healthy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, you, you're involved in a lot of things. Um, is there anything you just want to plug that you do? You know, you do, uh, you, I watched your recap you did with, of Game of Thrones last night with Charlie Wisco. You do the no, you do the no quitters podcast. You write about everything from snacks to Game of Thrones to your New York teams. Um, yeah. On Twitter at the Clem report. Nah, man, you got it basically at the Clem report on Twitter. I do a Game of Thrones podcast with Charlie, uh, YouTube. I don't know if it's youtube.com slash the Clem report. You can see my, um, the Game of Thrones things there. You can also see my podcast, No Quitters podcast. Which, snack reviews. Yep, the 15 second snack reviews. My MTV The Challenge podcast, No Quitters, which is at No Quitters Pod as well on Twitter, which we're just talking about the idiots on that show, which has been going on forever. Um, like you said, about idiots. idiots talking about idiots. Yep. Uh, we're gonna we do snacking off on Barstool. You know, BarstoolSports.com is where you can find all my stuff. We do uh, Podfathers at Podfathers Show. Um, but again, like you said, I, now that, now that I'm actually like saying it out loud, like it's a bunch of random ass crap that's just all yep. mishmashed together in this stupid brain of mine. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I, Hey, I don't do, uh, what is it? I'm a Jack of many trades, but a master of none. I guess yep. that's, that's yeah, what you can say it is. <laughs> um, yeah. So we just want to thank you again for coming on. You know, we really appreciate it. Uh, you're one of the bigger names we've had on this again, just thanks again. And prayers for Odell. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> oh, man. All right, fellas. You all guys right. have a good night, all right? Thanks a lot, Clem. You too, Clem. What a great guy. Just an odd, like, just a genuinely nice dude. Yeah, he's, like, that's that's what, like, blows my mind is, like, some someone like him, you know, he's so busy and he's got so much content going on that he you know, can and should be doing, but he's, he's willing to just carve out that time. And yeah. I thought he was going to give us like 25, 30 minutes, but he, he really exceeded my expectation and he lived up to, he lived up to like the, the genuinely good chill guy that he's presented out to be. Yeah. Really like in-depth answers too. Like he, like every single question we asked him was, he had a great answer for him. Yeah, he's a big, he's a big talker. Yeah. Awesome though. It's like perfect. He was flying, he was flying through his back story and, but he, he was great with that. And so, so many of these guys, we just want to find out more. And I was glad we got a couple, you know, office stories about just random things like, oh, Johnny Bananas is there now. Ice Cube's there. Yep. But yeah. but overall, um, you know, another successful episode. And, yeah, hopefully you can continue to get guys like himself.